Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by Voice Pods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org slash law. People v. Hakes, decided on December 13, 2018. Feynman, J. The principal question presented in this case is whether, as a condition of probation, sentencing courts can require a defendant to wear and pay for a secure continuous remote alcohol monitoring bracelet that measures their alcohol intake. We hold that they can. In enacting Penal Law Section 65.10 the legislature specifically authorized sentencing courts to require defendants to wear an electronic monitoring device. Similar to other statutorily authorized conditions of probation that implicitly require defendants to pay certain costs see Penal Law Section 65.102, the costs associated with wearing a functioning scram bracelet are part and parcel of satisfaction of the condition itself. However, if a defendant demonstrates, either at the time the sentence is imposed or during the probationary period, that they are unable to afford the costs attached to a condition despite bona fide efforts to do so, the sentencing court must attempt to fashion a reasonable alternative to incarceration. Conversely, if a defendant willfully refuses to pay the costs associated with a condition when able to do so, a sentencing court is justified in revoking the defendant's probationary sentence and imposing a sentence of incarceration. In December 2012, defendant Brian Hakes pleaded guilty to felony driving while intoxicated and aggravated unlicensed operation of a motor vehicle, an unclassified misdemeanor. County court sentenced defendant to a term of six months incarceration, concurrent with five years probation. As a condition of his probation, the court required defendant to wear and pay for a scram bracelet upon his release from jail. Defendant made several payments for the scram bracelet, but then stopped, resulting in the bracelet's removal by the monitoring company. Defendant claimed that an injury interfered with his ability to work and earn the income necessary to pay the monitoring fee. After a hearing on the matter, county court revoked defendant's probation upon its determination that defendant had violated a condition of his probation because he was no longer wearing the scram bracelet and imposed an indeterminate state prison term of one to three years. The appellate division, among other things, reversed the judgment of county court on the basis that the sentence imposed was illegal because sentencing courts cannot require a defendant to pay for the cost of electronic monitoring People v. Hakes. Thereafter, a judge of this court granted leave to appeal. We now reverse. To a greater or lesser degree, it is always true of probationers, that they do not enjoy the absolute liberty to which every citizen is entitled, but only, conditional liberty properly dependent on observance of special probation restrictions Griffin v. Wisconsin, quoting Morrissey v. Brewer, see People v. Hale, in New York, as in other jurisdictions, a sentence of probation is an option among various sentencing alternatives short of confinement and, t, he probationer, although not physically confined, remains in the legal custody of the court for the probationary period. Keeping in mind that probation is the product of statute, our inquiry must focus solely on whether, having determined that probation was the appropriate criminal sanction for defendant, county court acted within the parameters of the probationary sentencing structure authorized by Penal Law § 65.10 People v. Letterlau. 
1965, section 65.10 was added to the penal law, providing I in general that t he conditions of probation and of conditional discharge shall be such as the court, in its discretion, deems reasonably necessary to ensure that the defendant will lead a law-abiding life or to assist him to do so penal law section 65.10 as added by L. 1965, ch. 1030. Subdivision 2 of section 65.10 went on to enumerate conditions of probation that a court could impose on a defendant, including, among other things, that a defendant shall refrain from frequenting unlawful or disreputable places, w work faithfully at a suitable employment, or pursue a course of study or a vocational training, u endergo available medical or psychiatric treatment, s upport their dependents, m ache restitution or make reparation, in an amount they can afford to pay, and p ost Bond or other security for the performance of all conditions. Penal law section 65.102, as added by L. 1965, ch. 1030. Subdivision 2 also provided a catch-all provision which allowed sentencing courts to set any other conditions reasonably related to a probationer's rehabilitation. Penal law section 65.102, L. Former I, as added by L. 1965, ch. 1030. While additional conditions were subsequently added to subdivision 2, see Penal Law section 65.102 K L 1995 CH 40, the legislature did not substantially change section 65.10 until 1996, following two decisions of this court regarding a sentencing court's ability to impose specific conditions of probation. In People v. Letterlau, the first of these decisions, this court reviewed a sentencing court's authority to require, as a condition of probation, that a defendant affixed to the license plate of any vehicle he drives a fluorescent sign stating convicted DWI. The court held that the imposition of this condition was beyond the authority of the sentencing court because Penal Law Section 65.10 quite clearly restricts probation conditions to those reasonably related to a defendant's rehabilitation id. at 265, citing Penal Law Section 65.10 the catch-all provision. Thus, the legislature plainly intended to authorize conditions that are rehabilitative in nature, even though many, such as those requiring a probationer to make restitution, refrain from frequenting disreputable places or to participate in an alcohol or substance abuse program, may have incidental punitive and deterrent effects Despite the inherent overlap and the difficulty in drawing lines between rehabilitative and punitive or deterrent sanctions, the legislature did not mention punishment or deterrence as goals to be obtained through the imposition of probationary conditions pursuant to Penal Law Section 65.10 A year later, in People v. McNair, this court again examined the authority of a sentencing court to set a condition of probation, this time the requirement that a defendant, who had pleaded guilty to felony driving while intoxicated, wear an electronic monitoring device for a year. The court held that the condition was once more beyond the authority of the sentencing court, stating that the case was remarkably similar to Letterlau in that the sentencing court's true design was not to advance defendants' rehabilitation, but rather to warn the public of, or in this case protect the public from, the threat presented by defendants' presence behind the wheel. Id. at 775, some internal quotation marks omitted, quoting Letterlau. Because the sentencing court's true aims in this case were public safety and surveillance, not rehabilitation, Letterlau requires that the condition of electronic monitoring be invalidated The court opined that the use of electronic monitoring was the province of the legislature, not the judiciary id. 
1996, in direct response to Letterlau and McNair, see Memorandum in Support, Bill Jacket, L. 1996, ch. 7, the legislature added Subdivision 4 to Penal Law Section 65.10, authorizing a sentencing court to require the defendant to submit to the use of an electronic monitoring device, where the court, in its discretion, determines that such condition will advance public safety, probationer control, or probationer surveillance. Penal Law Section 65.104, as added by L. 1996, ch. 653. The legislature commented that contrary to this court's holding in McNair, a rational criminal justice system should insist that judges, be scrupulously concerned about public safety in making sentencing decisions, particularly with respect to drunk driving, given its high recidivism rate and the awful carnage it causes Memorandum in Support, Bill Jacket, L. 1996, ch. 653 at 7. The legislature noted that when sentencing courts are making the often difficult choice between imposing a sentence of probation or jail, the availability of electronic monitoring may be decisive. Mem in support, Bill Jacket, L. 1996, ch. 653 at 7. The decision to sentence a defendant to probation as an alternative to jail or prison reflects a determination by the sentencing court that both society and the defendant would be better served by the individual's closely supervised release into the community, provided that certain reasonable conditions are met. Utilized in conjunction with these conditions, electronic monitoring was designed to allow defendant s to remain in the privacy of their own home with their family, instead of in prison, while learning to control themselves in the presence of alcohol McNair, citing Burns, electronic home detention, new sentencing alternative demands uniform standards Defendant contends that while the condition requiring a probationer to submit to electronic monitoring may be permissible, the additional requirement of payment is a punitive measure that serves no public safety or deterrent goal. If defendant were correct, the legislature, in enacting Subdivision 4, only meant to authorize electronic monitoring if the costs were borne by the state. There is nothing in the legislative history of Penal Law Section 65.10 to support this assumption. Rather, since its enactment in 1965, Penal Law Section 65.10 has authorized a variety of conditions of probation, such as pursuing a course of study, obtaining psychiatric treatment, participating in a substance abuse program or motor vehicle accident prevention course, that concomitantly require defendants to pay certain costs or recurring fees see Penal Law Section 65.10 the costs attached to any one of these conditions were never overtly stated by the legislature, but rather understood as implicitly necessary to satisfy the condition itself. As the court recognized in Letterlau, the fundamental rehabilitative goals of these conditions, as authorized by the legislature, outweigh any incidental punitive and deterrent effects see 86 NY2D at 264–266, see also McNair, T. The general rule to be drawn from Letterlau is that a court may not create its own probationary condition which is predominantly punitive in the sense that its punitive elements overshadow its rehabilitative components. The condition here is no different, payment is part and parcel of the requirement that defendant wear and maintain a functioning scram bracelet. 
To the extent the costs associated with electronic monitoring could be considered to have a punitive or deterrent effect, that effect is dwarfed by the explicit goals of Subdivision 4, to protect the public from alcohol-related offenses while assisting a defendant's rehabilitation during their probationary term see Penal Law Section 65.104 Legislative History of Subdivision 4, Supra at 6, see also Mem in Support, Bill Jacket, L. 1996, ch. 653 at 21 R. Ehabilitation of a probationer recognizes that public safety, offender accountability, and other deterrent conditions are reasonable and legitimate and can mutually coexist as part of any probation sentence. Were we to hold that any monetary component of a condition that must be borne by a defendant per se invalidated said condition, sentencing courts would be divested of their broad authority to impose a myriad of probationary requirements, and consequently, would, in many instances, no longer view release into the community as a viable alternative to incarceration. In light of this, the requirement that defendant wear and pay for a scram bracelet was well within county court's statutory authority under Penal Law Section 65.104. This is not to say that requiring a defendant to wear and pay for an electronic monitoring device will always be reasonable. Courts cannot impose a condition of probation that includes costs a particular defendant cannot feasibly meet. Nor can courts incarcerate a defendant who has initially agreed to meet a condition requiring a payment, but who subsequently becomes unable to do so. Indeed, depriving probationers of conditional freedom based simply on their indigence would be an invidious denial to one class of defendants of a substantial benefit available to another amorosi. Accordingly, a probationary sentence is a tentative one that by its nature may be altered or revoked pursuant to the discretion of the court during the probationary term see Penal Law Section 60.01-2-b. At any time after a sentence is pronounced, the court may adjust the conditions to suit the current circumstances by eliminating conditions imposed at the sentence or adding new ones as the court considers necessary and appropriate. People v. Rodney E. C. Corporal 410.201, Penal Law Section 65.00-2. Therefore, if, at the imposition of the sentence or during the course of probation, a defendant asserts that they are unable to meet the financial obligations attendant to a certain condition, the sentencing court must hold a hearing on the matter see Black v. Romano, Amorosi, People v. Hall Wilson, see Generally Corporal 420.10 the defendant must be given the opportunity to be heard in person, present witnesses, and offer documentary evidence establishing that they made sufficient bona fide efforts to pay see Corporal 410.703, Romano, 471 U.S. at 610–612, Amorosi if, after such inquiry, the sentencing court determines that the defendant has adequately demonstrated an inability to pay the costs associated with a particular condition despite bona fide efforts to do so, the court must attempt to fashion a reasonable alternative to incarceration see Amorosi, see also Bearden. Conversely, if the sentencing court determines, by a preponderance of the evidence see Corporal 410.703 that a probationer has willfully refused to pay, when that defendant can pay, the court is justified in revoking probation and using imprisonment as an appropriate penalty for the offense Amorosi, citing Bearden at 668, see Corporal 410.70-1-5, Penal Law Section 65.00-2, see also Rodney E. Here, the appellate division never reviewed defendants' challenges to county courts finding that he was in willful violation of a condition of his probation. 
Accordingly, the order of the appellate division insofar as appealed from should be reversed, and the case remitted to the appellate division for determination of the facts and issues raised, but not determined on appeal to that court see Corporal 470.25 d, Corporal 470.40 b. Order, insofar as appealed from, reversed and case remitted to the Appellate Division, Third Department, for determination of the facts and issues raised but not determined on the appeal to that court Corporal 470.25 d, 470.40 b. Opinion by Judge Feynman. Chief Judge DiFiori and Judges Stein, Fahey, Garcia and Wilson concur. Judge Rivera dissents in an opinion. Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by VoicePods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org slash law.